Top of the 8 o'clock hour here in our nation's capital. Here on this Tuesday night edition of Overtime. The youngest in charge movement with Willingham taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, our pal Jason Locken for Odyssey NFL Insider set to join the program. To give us the national perspective on the big time news of the day, Ben Johnson, the presumptive favorite to land the commander's head coaching gig, deciding he's going to stay put with the Detroit Lions, who will remain as the team's offensive coordinator. Washington now forced to pivot and go another direction. We'll see uh, what potential direction they can go in when uh, Jason Lockenford joins us coming up at 8.15. Some other non-football news that we had break right before the start of overtime. This is according to Puck News. A group led by private equity billionaires David Rubenstein and Mike Aggregetti is buying the Baltimore Orioles for $1.725 billion. So that is absolutely massive. I know uh, the big subplot in the sale of the Orioles is what happens with the TV network Masson. And I think if Angelos and the Angelos family is going to give their rights away to Masson, uh, that that makes <laughs> that makes this this team to me that much more valuable. Now I saw some numbers online. If they're being valued at one point seven two five billion, that's more than the Washington Nationals. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's a story in and of itself. We will ask Jason Lockenfora about that when he joins us. He's super plugged into all things uh, Baltimore, so. JLC will give us the latest on what's going on with the O's in that sale. But right now, I'm going to get back out to the phones. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. Now that Ben Johnson has left the commander standing at the altar, who do you want to be the team's next head coach? I gave you my top five list at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. I'll run through it again here quickly. Number five, I would go with Mike Vrabel. Number four, I'd go with Aaron Glenn. Number three, I'd go with Eric Bieniemy. Number two, I'd go with Dan Quinn. And number one would be the same. My leader in the clubhouse pretty much since the end of December, Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald. Now, I know Dan Quinn is a name that gets you all hot and bothered, but I want to let you take a listen to the MMQB's Albert Breer, who had this to say about why Dan Quinn could be a potential fit here in D.C. Um, And a guy who... Um, can create a culture. We've seen that. That that was there in Atlanta. He got to a Super Bowl. He built a great staff there. Um, you know, hired Kyle Shanahan, then replaced him with Steve Sarkeesian. Um, so you know he's a guy who has the connections and the ability to, 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 to lure in um, good offensive coaches. And, um, and, you know, I think you see the way that he connects with players. Now, he's not next player the way Vrabel or Campbell or O'Connell are, but like just go and ask Micah Parsons about the guy, <clears throat> like and what he was he did for his career. Go ask any of the Legion of Boom guys, um, Richard Sherman, um, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. Like he's been able to manage so many different personalities, so many different types of guys, and that's a huge part of it too. And um, you know, I can remember talking to the Rams about McVeigh when he came from there, and this will resonate with you guys, but. One of the biggest things they liked about McVeigh, um, and I think all those guys would tell you, like the play caller thing was way down the list as far as stuff that he's good at, um, despite what public perception is. And um, you know, one of the one of the Rams guys said to me, "Look at that huddle he had in Washington. 
Look at the personalities he had in that huddle. Trent Williams, Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed. Uh, you know, RG3 is a backup. And he was able to manage all of that and get a high level of performance out of all of those guys, right? That says something. That's sort of what Dan Quinn can bring to the table. That's Albert Breer, a longtime NFL insider, giving us the skinny on why Dan Quinn is such a hot button name uh, here in Washington. And if you've been tapped into overtime, if you're a loyal fan, I appreciate you first and foremost. But we've been on this for about the past 11 days. It was exactly 11 days ago, probably at this exact time, when we played a portion of the John Kime report. And y'all know how I feel about John Kime. Uh, one of the most tenured members of the Washington Commanders beat. He is plugged in and does journalism, you know, the, the, the proper way. I'm not saying that the other members don't, but he's been doing it the longest, so his word holds a little bit more value. John Kime, 11 days ago, we played that audio here on Overtime where Kime was pretty much starting to, you know, hedge a little bit on Ben Johnson being the odds-on favorite here in D.C. And the names that John Kime brought up was Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, and Mike McDonald. So when Kime speaks, I listen. So I jumped on that immediately. And now as we sit here on January the 30th, we know why Kime was starting to hedge because the tea leaves were starting to say that Ben Johnson uh, was going to end up going back to Detroit. Warrior calls here. 1-800-636-1067. Anthony is out in D.C. What's going on? Hey, Linnell. What's going on? What's going on, man? How you doing? <clears throat> Hey, um, my take is that the, the coach is in the, in the building, uh, the enemy. Because the fact is, who knows what kind of things were going on as far as uh, Rivera telling him to go to the run and this and that. But if you look at the first half of the season, how he had production as far as the quarterback. He, he put the – you know, he put – Put it, put him in positions where they were doing all kinds of plays and this and that, and then it got to a point where he probably the enemy was kind of like frustrated. He said he's not really doing what he needs to do. I want to make a switch, but you know Ron didn't want to do it. So this is what we saw. But I think the coach is right there in the building. The enemy is the coach, and you know, far as what everybody has to say and. The enemy because of this and that. No, I, the man, the man proved himself. He he he, put, he got he got a makeshift offensive line and work with it and try to work with how you know. I mean, he had Howell Sam Howell have that. multiple three hundred yard games. Sam Howell almost threw for four hundred yards in one damn game. The enemy that's, doesn't that's get credit for that though, right, Anthony? That that's yeah. That's what I'm trust saying. Me, trust me, man. You're, you're preaching to the choir. I, I and I appreciate the call as always. I the enemy thing is gonna really it's gonna really take me to another level because I, I for the life of me and I always say it. It's not like I'm some Eric enemy backer. The one thing and the one gripe that I have with EB that I agree with all of you on is this. It's it's it becomes increasingly difficult for me to try and defend his play calling at points in time this year. Now, y'all would have to be stuck on stupid to act like he didn't eventually adjust because you saw it down the stretch. They ran the ball more. The quick passing game was more prevalent and all that. That I can agree with, with, with the play calling and why he wasn't running the ball more. You got me on that. But, man, my thing is this. How does one year, how does one year 
of him here in D.C. completely discredit all of what he helped Kansas City accomplish. That's what I don't get. And I'm never going to make it a race thing. I, I have too many other arguments to make. But at the end of the day, with Eric Bieniemy, we got to stop moving the goalposts with him. We have to. How all of a sudden does he not know how to coach offense? How all of a sudden is he not a qualified candidate? And newsflash, y'all better get used to him being around. Because just like I tried to dunk on my girl, Josina Anderson, for saying that Ben Johnson was requesting 15 to 18 million. Remember that? It was about a month ago. Josina put out the report and she stood 10 toes on it, as she always does. But y'all poo-pooed on it and said, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Now, you see that he's taking his talents back to Detroit. You don't think there was any changes to his contract? (laughs) I don't give a damn what they're reporting. So just as Josina was right on that, Josina also was the first one to report that Adam Peters and Josh Harris sat down with Eric Bieniemy, And you know what the quotes were coming out of that? How detailed and brilliant Eric Bieniemy was. So newsflash, because we're probably going to go with a defensive-minded head coach, to me, the next most important hire is the offensive coordinator. Because whether y'all like it or not, we're probably going to take a quarterback at number two overall. Can't tell me there's a bunch of offensive coordinators out there that are more qualified than Eric Bieniemy too. Max is in Waldorf. What's going on, Max? Hey, man, thanks for taking my call. I, I, I think what a lot of our fans are suffering from, man, is sort of like this, the repercussions of the Dan Schneider loser era. And we're, we're taking this thing personally, like this guy didn't choose it. He carried Seattle, too. Exactly. We weren't the only team that got carried today. He, he carried Seattle, too. And I think the decision that he made – has a lot to say, as you said earlier, more to say about him than it is, you know, our organization. I have a question for you. I would love to know mm-hmm. if if Peters had asked that guy in the first interview or they talked about or discussed the idea of him going back to Detroit if he wasn't successful, they didn't go to the Super Bowl and went. Because if that's not the case, then this guy, he's wishy-washy in his attitude, his approach to us, anything. Anyway, we really don't want him here. What we need is just to have somebody here that can, can get this thing together we still got the number two pick. We still got all the cash uh, for free agents. We, we we have a new owner. Oh my God, we have one of the best GMs in, in the country. In theory, we're still on the right course. Let's just go somebody. For sure. Go get somebody that can get this thing together. And if we can get a defensive uh, whisperer, you know, uh, McDonald from from Baltimore, let's get him in here. He'll it. figure it out. They'll figure it out. Let's keep moving forward. It's all that matters, Max. I appreciate the call, Max. Echoing what I've been saying from the get go with this. We've been running like a damn third world country for the entirety of my existence. You guys are hot and bothered about who the next head coach is going to be. As long as the GM, the owner, and the head coach are in alignment, I don't give a damn who they hired. Because that, that represents progress. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get the national perspective on what's going on here today in D.C. Odyssey NFL insider Jason Locke and Forrest set set to join the program We'll get his perspective on Ben Johnson leaving the commanders at the altar. Plus, we'll ask JLC about his thoughts on the Angelos family selling the Baltimore Orioles. That's next on The Fan. Welcome back. It's 
Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the Youngest in Charge movement. Linnell Willingham taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things over to CBS Sports Radio. Right now, we're going to waste no more time. As promised, we're going to go out to the lines where we find Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lock and Fora. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. You can give Jason a follow on Twitter. At Jason Locking for a busy day here in our nation's capital, JLC. How you treating you? Hey there. How's it going? I'm good, man. A bevy of things to talk to you about. Want to just give you a little warning. I will ask you about the Orioles before we get out of here because I know you've oh, got yeah. a lot to say on that as well, my friend. So a perfect time to have you on the program. Uh, I know you've been writing about you know this head coach hiring cycle for months now in the Washington Post. But are you surprised at all by the developments that happened today, the biggest one being Ben Johnson uh, keeping his talents in Detroit? Uh, yeah, I think everybody um, was surprised by this. Commanders people, Seahawks people, the league at large. Um, he had a lot of time to think about this. Yeah. You know, there's, there's uh, what, about seven months passed between when most teams play their final regular season game until they play – the first one the following year. Uh, like, you could have told people this, you know, before you took first interviews. Um, you, it, you, you could have, you know, maybe expressed it sometime shortly after the first interview if you didn't really think any of these were a fit. Um, there's so many different ways that he and his representation could have handled this in a, in a more forthright um more earnest manner, uh, it's baffling, honestly. It's it's baffling. These people had been waiting for you for weeks, and you knew that. And the whole – everybody knew that. Um, There were uh, plenty of other coaches that they could have hired if they weren't intent on having another meeting with you to, let's be real, put their best face forward in order to um, come to terms with you to be their next head coach. And this was – the worst kept secret in professional sports and um, people are entitled, you know, to certainly no one has to take a job of course. and, and I, I guess he'll have other options, but <laughs> the manner in which this was handled, um, I would just say that, you know, Richmond flowers and, and Ben Johnson did themselves no favors. Oh. And that doesn't mean, you know, other people won't want to hire him at, at this point in time or another point in time. Um, but, like, I don't know, like, maybe he thought the Chargers was the better job. And, like, the Chargers was the best job. But that job's been filled, though. That, Jason, that, but, so, yeah. And he wasn't getting that job. <laughs> right, and and right. his, you know, his Especially with agent, that asking who price. represents Brandon Staley, whose ass got fired there, like, should have had a pretty good read on the situation. Yeah. So, if that was it, like, if you were all about Justin Herbert um, or having, you know, an offense in place and all these pieces in place and – that's the only one that checked the box, then, then you, again, you probably should have conducted yourself a little differently through the first wave of these hirings. Um, I think there's something to um, sort of condone, right, and, and, right. and say, well, look, he was honest in the end, and if he didn't think it was right, if he didn't think he was ready, whatever, then, yeah, you know, at some point you, pull, you, you withdraw, but – I think you, you also need to have that introspection a little bit sooner, and, and you, sh- you should probably be a little bit more cognizant of how your delay response affects yeah. other people in the league, and maybe that affects his ability down the line to get a job. I'm sure it's going to come up in other job interviews. He better be prepared 
to address it head on. Um, but no, the, the, this was, you know, for him to pull out of Washington and Seattle without even getting through the second interviews was shocking. Yeah. And Jason, you've obviously been covering the National Football League for a long time. Do you have any other scenarios in the past that maybe you can draw a comparison to for this? Because as you've alluded well, to, it is look, I mean, Josh McDaniels and Indianapolis Colts got way further than this. I mean, they had a well, deal in yeah. place. You know, they had a verbal agreement in place. And, you know, so, like, it's, it's, it's hardly without precedent. Um, but for a first-time head coach, you know, and guys do get cold feet. And, right. I mean – <laughs> I can remember getting a call from Adam Gase uh, one morning, and he's like, I'm in Mike Tannenbaum's, you know, driveway, and they're they're all, you know, in there, and, you know, do you think I should do this or whatever? I'm like, no, you shouldn't do it, but you're gone, so whatever. Oh, man. Um, you know, like, it's not unusual for, for, for some, you know, for their lights to flash before their eyes, and they wonder – you know, am I ready, and is this right, and if it's not right, I'm ever going to get a chance again, and, and, and all that, but you, you got to sort that out with your representation. Yeah. You, you guys have to have a plan, um, and it's just, it's just, it's a, it's not the best look. No. It's not the end-all and be-all. It's not the best look, and, and I think to turn down Washington is, is pretty bizarre. Um, the guy has experience running franchises and doing it pretty successfully. Um, they had a really smart, you know, quality and, and effective GM cycle and made a really smart hire. There's a lot of smart sports people around that franchise. They're holding a lot of draft capital, including the, the being in position to take, you know, any quarterback they want in this draft except for one. You're going to have, you know, we're going to get world-class facilities. You're going to have a downtown stadium like – you're from like you're from this region, basically. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the Arskins, you know, <laughs> would have been the the football team in in the pro football team in Chapel Hill, right? Way right. before the Panthers or any of that. Yeah, like, sure. it's close to home. It's a blank slate. This guy, you know, the whole town is brimming with excitement. You're you're put, you're the first big hire post Snyder, yeah. and you don't want to let those guys throw cash at you. I mean, Jason, when you when you lay all of it out like that, and and look in sports, you got to be wired a certain way to have success. Maybe, maybe all the caveats that you just listed, maybe that's what made him shy away from this job because that's a lot of pressure for whoever comes in here. I to mean, be the I, next I guess, guy. but they're all. I mean, they're that's they're true. all going to be a lot of pressure. I mean, I well, not the Detroit offensive coordinator job, Jason. Well, so it I makes mean, sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean. Like Seattle, if you were going to say, okay, is, 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 you know, the Allen family going to sell that team in two years? And if they do, you know, and I've had two 500 seasons and somebody spends $6 billion for that, yeah. you know, then are they going to want their own person? And am I going to be caught in the middle? Like, I, okay. Like, I, I get, you know, I could kind of see that maybe. Um, I still would have had a second interview with them before I, <laughs> before yeah. I made but, and Jason, too, and Jason, too, it seems like Seattle, in my opinion, was more comparable to the job he's leaving in Detroit. So I thought he'd have the hots for the Seattle job. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just if you're a quarterback guy and you get to start on a, a blank slate, well, and again, and he, what's going to be – there's going to be five or six of them taken in the first round. And you're going to have 
your choice of the four or five that don't go first overall. And that doesn't get your adrenaline flowing. That doesn't make you like, again, if you want to tell me the Chargers is a better job, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll grant you that, but of the entire field, yeah, this was it. I mean, this was, this isn't Tennessee. This isn't the Panthers. Like I understand not taking that, but it's, it's a strange one. Um, but look, there's plenty of guys who are capable of doing it, and you know, um, including one here and well, two here in Baltimore, yeah. but really one in <laughs> Mike McDonald, more than anybody else. Who I, I don't I, if we're if we're judging this on their body of work and their current jobs, yeah. the two years that this guy spent as a coordinator here and the year at Michigan before that. Um, it's, it stands up with the body of work of anybody the last three years. It has to, and I think you provided us with a perfect segue here. Washington left at the altar. It feels like the sky is on the old Twitter app. People feel yeah. like, man, we got left at been the any altar. Good. He obviously doesn't think he'd have been that good. Jason, I feel you. Running through walls for this opportunity, you know, he wants to stick with Big Daddy Dan Campbell, so that's fine. <laughs> you don't, don't pine for that. He clearly wasn't ready for it. He's clearly not up for it. That's fine. But look, Jason, that's that's all we've been, you know, he trained to believe this. He on the third and four call to Ahmad Ross St. Brown and ran a running play to burn a timeout when he needed every timeout to try to get the ball back and win the game. So, you know, he also got like, blanked by Raheem Morris's Rams in the second half of the wild card games. Eh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he ain't the end all and be all. I, I agree with you 100 percent on that. With that being said, you mentioned why Washington's such an attractive job. Eighty plus million dollars in cap space, five picks in the top 100 including the number two overall pick from what you've been able to, able to gather, like where does Washington pivot to next here? And do you think they potentially could go with someone that hasn't been interviewed yet to this point? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, you've got to obviously now kind of regroup, um, you know, who, who, who would some of these guys be bringing with them on the defensive side as their offensive coordinator that now becomes, yeah. A critical question. And with some of these guys staying in place, um, there's not as many options even for, like, lateral moves. But, like, I don't know. Like, could – could, and I, I don't know who McDonald's guy would be. But, like, mm-hmm. like if I could get McDonald and I could get Kafka, you know what I mean, as the, as the, the OC or, or, you know, the, the – um, Pat and the assistant head I mean, coach shoot, or whatever. If I get Kafka as the as the passing game coordinator, Greg Roman is the run game coordinator, right? Roman would have mm-hmm. Roman's in that same hardball school as McDonald. Like, you know, can I can you sell me that on offense and McDonald runs the defense? I mean, I don't know. Like I I I'd rather have that than Dan Quinn, you know what I mean? Well, like I'm just yeah. being honest with you, like Ron Rivera 2.0. I mean, Jason, let me ask you, did you all to, this for? Let, let me ask you to to expound upon that. What about Dan Quinn? is not enticing to you. Is it just for this job in particular? He's not bringing Kyle Shanahan with him. His defense <laughs> is sucked in Atlanta. Like, I mean, I, you know, like, do you, like, the same stuff that finally got Pete Carroll fired in Seattle. Like, you're pining for a younger version of that? I mean, like, yeah, we're going to be married to cover three and cover six, and we're going to play light boxes, we're not going to adjust to physicality, and we're going to do that in the NFC East. Hmm. All right. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's a great dude, and you know, he's rah rah, and everybody loves him. But like, I mean, I'd rather start with a blank slate. I'd rather start with somebody younger. I think I can build around 
like there's not enough in that resume to, to say I want to go that way. You know, Bill Belichick's still 72 years old. Yeah. I mean, Vrabel? Well, this is I the mean, thing I wanted to ask you about Vrabel, and I thought, you know, initially I thought, well, why aren't they interviewing Vrabel? But then I sat and thought about it. I mean, Rand Carthon and Adam Peters are probably, you know, yep. connected at the hip, and yep. perception is 99% reality. You saw the power struggle Vrabel lost to Carthon yep. there in Tennessee, so did, would you would you rule that out because of, you know, those relationships? I mean, I, I think it would be an obstacle. I mean, you know, the kind of thing you'd, you'd want to probably talk out. Like, <laughs> For sure. they probably think there's a little, a little more rough edges and a little, you know, not that he coached under Belichick, but he played under Belichick. And, right. You know, he's got that, yeah, we'll just say rough edges. <laughs> um, you know, that might not be, you know, and he's yeah. a little bit old school. You know, a younger guy. But, but Jason, when you think about what is playing. And who's his offensive coordinator? Well, I think that's the bigger question like for him. Like, if it was Arthur Smith, you know what I mean? I, I might have bought that. Now, now, you mentioned the old old school mentality. I think Washington needs a coach that's going to come in here and not be afraid to put his foot up people's asses, thinking about what the last four years have been and what the last 20 years have been. So they need that type of, you know, dynamic personality, in my opinion. I always thought that was more important than some offensive whiz kid. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you look, you'd love to have, you know, a McVeigh or a Shanahan or, you know, even what LaFleur has turned into. I mean, Mr. December. you'd like to have a little bit of a combination of both. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, who's running, who's developing the quarterback for me for Rabel? Who's developing the quarterback for me for McDonald? Like that, that's, Look, I, I would honestly, what would I do? I, I would hire Mike McDonald. That's what I would do. And you would just roll with the plan. I think Mike McDonald, of all the first-time head coaches, regardless of offensive or defensive side of the ball or whatever, the one who I think is the most ready for it, the one who I think's work at his current position yeah. most stands out is Mike McDonald. I would hire Mike McDonald. And I'll, I'll tell you this, if they don't hire Mike McDonald, I'll – Bet you a turkey sandwich that next year Howie Roseman does. Whew. That is uh, spicy stuff. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Body, Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. We're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lock and Fora. Jason, the one other thing that has definitely crossed my mind for Washington during this hiring cycle, if it's not Mike McDonald, where do they pivot to, and do you think they should be worried about the optics, being that this is their, like, second major decision here in power? Because I, I tell you what, Dan Quinn's probably not moving the needle for the fan base. Aaron Glenn, I know, is a dynamic personality, but probably won't move the needle for the for the fan base. It seems like right now it's Mike McDonald or nothing. I'll tell you who, I, of, of that group? Yeah. Of the, the guys who've done it before? Right. Can you, can you get Leslie Frazier? Ooh. Yeah. If they're going to go that route, right, it's a better version of Dan Campbell in your mind. <laughs> or, excuse me, of Dan Quinn in your mind. Yeah, yeah. I just think I, – I, I, I know I, – I, I, Leslie, I would hire Leslie Frazier before I hired Dan Quinn. Yeah. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Wow. Going to be a lot, a lot to sift through here in the next couple of days here for Josh Harris and company. Do you, I guess I've kind of already asked you this in a way. Do you expect them to to recast their net, so to speak? Because I have a hard time 
believing that they're going to be willing to wait this thing out too much longer. We're, we're really getting into the meat of the offseason here. Well, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, who you who would you be waiting for? Steve Wilkes? I mean, I guess, can, can, you know, yeah. potentially. I mean, I don't really think there's anybody on Andy Reid's. I mean, I don't think you're rate, waiting on Spags. Like, I think their special teams coach, Dave Tobe, should have been a coach in this head coach in this league five years ago, eight years ago. At this point in time, I don't know that that makes sense, but I think a lot of people missed the boat over the last six or seven hiring cycles, not taking Dave Tobe more seriously, but I, I doubt that these guys would have that sort of rethink now. Um, you know, I don't really know that there's anybody in the It's thin. <laughs> I mean, you want to go outside the box? You want to take a you want to take a run at Lane Kiffin? I mean, I, I don't know. Wow. Like I'm, I'm that just doesn't seem like yeah. like I yeah, it doesn't seem like it's their mo at this point. But wow, that like would be if, like if, if if I'm really all about the offense, you know what I mean, and right. and I'm looking at what's left on the board at the NFL level, right? Then I'm kind of looking. Then I'm kind of looking collegiately. They should interview Denard Wilson while they're at it. If if they do do another round, well, I like I, not as the defensive court. Like I'd interview <laughs> Denard Wilson as my head coach. Wow, now that that is strong, Jason. I mean, Andy Reid wasn't a coordinator when he got hired. Very in true. Philadelphia, he hadn't really even been a play caller. You know, That's John right. Harbaugh was a special teams coach one year as a secondary coach. He's done all right. Yeah, Denard right. Wilson, local guy, Maryland, PG County personnel side trained by the great Bobby DePaul another guy from PG County uh with the Bears background in personnel you know played the game at a high level played the game professionally broke in as a scout personnel guy knows how to evaluate rose up the ranks as a coach and look what happened to the Eagles secondary when he left yeah how should I have kept him as his D coordinator like I don't know Mike McDonald goes to Seattle I I, I mean I, I would interview Denard Wilson for that head coaching job if, again if, if we are gonna right. relaunch it well you know what it sounds like if if Mike McDonald goes to to Seattle then all hell may be breaking loose here on these airwaves Jason I, I know you're up in Beemore, so you're a little bit out of touch with what the day-to-day is like here people are I mean they're they're, they're feeling how you're feeling about Dan Quinn another name that that I bring up that people you know poo-poo on because of his year this year was Eric Bieniemy, and they interviewed him. What are you hearing about the way that went? I, I mean, look. I, I mean, can you do much worse for an offensive mind at this point if that's where they wanted to go? Well, I, I mean, the thing about that is I, I guess I was going to say, well, if that's where you wanted to go, you would have already done it. But if again, if you start, if, if I'm sitting here throwing out Lane Kiffin, who I haven't talked to, then you know, then obviously anything's on the exactly. table. That's my point. Yeah, I mean, Eric Bieniemy. A lot of people are surprised he, you know, that it reached this point without him getting a job. Um, yeah. Somewhere as a head coach before he finally left, you know, for sort of a lateral move with Washington. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would, I would consider him. Sure. Quickly, quickly, Jason, before we let you go, I know we went a little long. What are your thoughts about the big-time sale uh, in Beemore with the Angelos family finally deciding to part ways with the Orioles? Well, I mean, if this if this group is, is you know, committed to doing it the right way, I mean, I you know, you start hearing private equity firms and stuff like that, and your skin starts to crawl. But, I mean, <laughs> with the way David Rubenstein has been, you know, 
for the fortune he's amassed and the successes he's had in business and um, entrepreneurship and with how generous he's been with his charitable donations over the years, like we're talking about Cal Ripken being a part of this group and maybe other luminaries, like, I mean, it, it could be amazing. I mean, it, it's it's like you're caught between sort of, you know, wanting to fully embrace the possibilities, but we're also, you know, kind of used to always being told, you well, know, that it wasn't possible. to get by with what you got and, you know what I mean, be happy with what you get and don't get upset and, you know, hey, we, we spent $8 million on Adam Frazier, you know, keep quiet. Yeah, uh, they sure as hell weren't active this free agency. I tell you. Well, that. no, no, this uh, this off season is it's especially terrible. for a team that's looking to. But keep yeah, building. I mean, look, I think this could be absolutely um, game changing and earth shattering. I mean, this guy is one of the what eight hundred wealthiest people on the planet, and if he's truly and he's a local guy, and if he's in this to win it, then everybody in the AL East better look out because <laughs> um, has got a talent pipeline that is bursting at the seams. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a fun day on the radio tomorrow. I want to ask you this, too. How do you think it affects the Masson deal? And what do you know? I don't uh, know. Okay. I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I've texted a lot of people about this and haven't gotten a lot of responses. And none of the reporting to this point seems to be totally sure. So I, your guess is as good as mine. All right, buddy. We will talk again soon. Appreciate you giving us some time, my friend. Hey, have a good one, man. And good luck to everybody down there. <laughs> Trust me. Don't don't freak out over this guy. Just come on. Jason, there's, there's plenty of other fish in the sea. Jason is probably already too late. Unless they get my mm. <laughs> Appreciate the All call right. as always, hey, my have friend. Have a good one, buddy. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Bye. That is Odyssey NFL Insider Jason Locking for Insider Calls brought to you by Old Spice Men. Have skin too. Speaking of having skin in the game, I got a little bit of skin in the game right now. I'm tooting my horn a little bit. Ben Johnson was never on my top five list. I'm gonna echo what Jason Locking for said. Guys, the sky, I promise you, is not falling because this hire didn't go through. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, you can load the phones back up. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. The big news of the day, Ben Johnson staying put as the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, leaving Washington to pivot in their head coaching search. Now that Ben Johnson's officially out, Who do you want here as the head coach in Washington? Plus, when we come back, I'll tell you which coach Washington hasn't interviewed that I'd be circling the wagons for now that Ben Johnson's pulled out. All that and more next here on The Fan. Big shout-out to our guy, Jason Lockenfora, for joining us in the last segment. Always good catching up with him. Get the latest on the Washington Commanders and what goes on next with their coaching search. I have a feeling, ladies and gentlemen, that if they if they don't hire Mike McDonald, boy, are we going to be in for some interesting sports talk radio here over the next couple of days. Right now, though, I want to want to go into something non-football related. I know that's been the dominating story uh, here this evening, but. Massive baseball news coming out. The Baltimore Orioles, according to multiple reports, set to be sold to two private equity billionaires, that being David Rubenstein and Mike Arugetti. According to multiple multiple reports, the transaction reportedly values the Orioles at a whopping $1.725 billion, 
This move is massive. We kind of touched on it a little bit with JLC, but I mean, it's huge. I know a lot of people here locally, you know, never thought this was possible, honestly. To have Dan Snyder sell, to have the Angelos family sell all in a calendar year, the Nats, I mean, all in a calendar year, I mean, it's amazing. It honestly is. And I know. I know the big talking point in this, when I continue to hear folks speak about it, is what happens with Masson, the TV network. What happens with Masson? There was a huge legal fight over the rights to the network and what would be aired on the network and all that. But for David Rubenstein and Mike Arrighetti, the, the people that are going to be taking over the Baltimore Orioles, have to think that Masson Sports Network is a huge, huge coop. You know, when you're going out apartment hunting, you want to see what amenities your apartment has, if you got a good washer and dryer. <laughs> think about the Orioles and the amenities that they have. One of the best young farm systems in baseball. They put the AL East on notice last year. <clears throat> I know a lot of Orioles fans out there are frustrated because they weren't very, you know, active in free agency in terms of spending. But the arrow got to be pointing way up uh, if you're a fan of the Baltimore Orioles. I would just have to think. I would have to think. Now, a little backstory on the guys who are actually purchasing the team uh, from John Piangelo's. Rubenstein, I didn't know this at first, a Baltimore native. And he was in that group that had interest in buying the Nationals. So clearly this is something that means a lot to him. He wants to become a, a owner of a professional sports franchise. And look, if you can't get your hands on the Nationals, next best thing here locally are the Baltimore Orioles. And some people might make the argument that the Orioles way better off as a franchise than the Washington Nationals are. So all this news uh, still has to be approved by the owners, and the owners are scheduled to meet next week in Orlando, Florida. So we will see uh, what actually happens. I fully anticipate this being approved, and and you know the the Rubenstein and and Arigetti being able to make the next steps here in this process. It's a done deal, pending you know the owners in Major League Baseball approving this. But wow, I honestly. I honestly am shocked, man. Baltimore Orioles, now out of the control of the Angelos family. A lot of people, a lot of older people out there that have been in this market in town for a long time that are stunned, never thought this would happen. I'm happy to be announcing it to you all. The Angelos family selling the Baltimore Orioles for $1.725 billion dollars to David Rubenstein and Mark Arrugetti, according to multiple reports coming out on Tuesday, as we mentioned a moment ago, while the terms have been agreed to, Major League Baseball still must approve the sale on the owners scheduled to meet next week in Orlando, Florida. If you want to get more on this news, uh, make sure you keep it locked on the fan starting at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. The Sports Junkies coming right at you, I'm sure. Uh, they will get into great detail about what this means for the Orioles and what this means 
potentially for the Washington Nationals as well. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, the final hour of power here on this Tuesday night edition of Overtime is coming up. We know that Ben Johnson left the Seahawks and the Commanders standing at the altar. When we come back, I want to go through a couple of head coaching candidates that I think Washington should spin the block on, so to speak, now that Ben Johnson has left them standing at the altar. That's next here on The Fan. 